packed Tahrir Square is humming today on February 10th, 2011. It's day 17 of the protests in Cairo, and you can hear there the jubilation of the crowd and the excited news reports. We now have, I think, reports from so many different sources that the president is very actively likely to announce either his resignation or, at the very least, handing over his substantive powers. Mubarak reportedly meeting with advisors at his palace not far from an airport. We are now getting breaking news that Egypt's army has said it will act if the protesters refuse this plan. I don't think Suleiman in charge, even in the interim, is going to please these people at all. They want the regime and everyone associated with it out. I'm Celeste Headley with John Hockenberry, and this is Wave of Change, explaining and experiencing the push for democracy in Egypt and the Arab world. Welcome to the latest edition of our podcast from The Takeaway, our partners, The New York Times and the BBC. Over the next few minutes, we're going to take you to Egypt, where after beatings in the streets, threats of martial law and suggestions that the Egyptians can't handle democracy, protesters are celebrating a significant victory. The energy in Egypt has been building all day from Alexandria to Suez and in Cairo. Pressure built as thousands of doctors, lawyers and transport workers joined a nationwide strike and added their shouts to the chorus calling for an end to the Mubarak regime. They've been holding vigils for the dead, holding firm on their demands and holding their breath amid hopes that Mubarak will leave. Amid celebration, some calmer heads are turning their thoughts to what the path may look like as Egypt moves toward creating a stable democracy. And we're joined now by Rashid Khalidi, Edward Said Professor of Modern Arab Studies at Columbia University. Is this a surprising turn? Um, Not entirely. I mean, very clearly the opposition has been able to ratchet up the pressure that it was putting on the regime. And um, it looks like they're throwing uh, Mubarak overboard. What what do you think was the the straw on the proverbial camel's back here in Egypt? Is it the thousands of doctors and professional people that marched into uh, Tahrir Square? I think that the regime is fraying at the edges. I think people involved in the propaganda apparatus are beginning to abandon ship. Uh, there's a strike at the government newspaper, at Al-Haram. Uh, it's not just the doctors. It's not just the judges. It's not just the lawyers. It's not just all the artists. It's every sector of Egyptian society is on board here. And so um, I, I, I think that the, the, the success of the demonstrations um, on Tuesday in the wake of this quite remarkable uh, uh, interview with Wa'il Ghanem, one of one of the many faceless organizers of the You're talking of about the, the Google executive who Precisely, anonymously Precisely, the Google the executive. Page. I mean, that's how he's known in the United States. His name is Wa'il Ghanem, and he's this young, personable man who made an enormous impression on everybody who saw him. And I would guess the majority of the 85 million Egyptians saw him. It's on the most, one of the most popular TV stations in Egypt, and it was repeated again and again and again. I saw it repeat. Ten hours after the original broadcast, um, that and the, the success of the demonstrators in not just the organizers in not just putting together a huge demonstration on Tuesday, but in uh, showing enormous initiative and in, in doing new things surrounding Parliament this time, surrounding all kinds of new um, governmental institutions, uh, made the regime realize that they really could not dig their heels in and make no more concessions, which is which was their line until. Yesterday. If Mubarak steps down, once Mubarak steps down, is the danger, physical danger, over for the protesters? I don't think anything has ended. I think we're at the beginning of a process which may turn ugly. 
um, I don't know where we're going from here. I mean, I'm a historian. What do I know about the future? But uh, I, 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 it seems clear that neither on the side of the regime is there a willingness to capitulate, nor on the side of the of the this popular uprising, this national revolutionary popular democratic movement, is there any sign of their flagging? I mean, this is going to this standoff is is going to go on after Mubarak leaves if he does. Well, I thought the reason we studied history was that we would know more about the future, but that may just be just. Well, me. we study it so we can understand. <laughs> the present, and then if we have any sense, we might be able to figure out the future. Rashid Khalidi, Edward Said Professor of Modern Arab Studies at Columbia University. That's the sound of Tahrir Square amid reports that Mubarak may be stepping down. As crowds celebrate the news, we're going to go to a face in the crowd for a remembrance of those who lost their lives. In a vigil in Tahrir Square last night, a circle of candlelight cast its glow on the tanks, as a remembrance for those lost in earlier violence. One face in that crowd was Mustafa Muhammad. He traveled to the protests from Bene Suyaf, a town on the Nile south of Cairo, and he convinced his younger brother, Ahmad, to join him. Mustafa told the BBC's Fergus Nicol that the consequences for his brother were disastrous. Around 10 o'clock p.m., we saw more than 500 people. They are coming to beat us. Some of them, they are carrying knife. Some of them, they are uh, carrying gun. In that time, at 10 o'clock p.m., my brother, he got shot in his head and he's uh, beside his heart. I, I saw my brother only when he was fall down. Then we carry him the, to the doctor uh, at Tahrir Square. Then the doctor, he said that he, he should go to the, the main hospital. We go to, to uh, Al-Qasrilaini. After two hours, he died. My family at that time was there in the hospital. They shouted at me and uh, they was very upset and angry and uh, I could not blame them. Till now, I'm afraid to feed them, all of them. He, he hoped to marry the, the lady which is he loved. He was trying to be something. But they killed him. Whenever I remember him, I'm crying. That's Mustafa Muhammad, today's face in the crowd, mourning his brother. And now, a takeaway from our show on Thursday morning. Host John Hockenberry and I spoke with Patrick Lang, a retired Army colonel and former head of Middle East Intelligence at the Defense Intelligence Agency. He's known and worked with Omar Suleiman for 20 years. I don't think you, there's enough appreciation for here in this country is, for exactly how much stress this guy is under. It is an enormously uh, difficult job. On the one hand, he has Mubarak, the pharaoh, still sitting on his throne. On the other hand, he has the military and various other parts of Egyptian society pushing for some sort of calm. And in the streets, you have the, the demonstrators who demand that Mubarak go now. So he's, he's somewhat trapped between the millstones here, and if he says something that sounds odd from time to time, I think we probably ought to try to look at what it is he's trying to do rather than what he had, happens to have said at any particular meeting. He should be seen, and I feel quite sure, as a transitional figure, in, uh, intending to broker a, uh, a movement from where we are now until the time where some sort of electoral commission oversees a, a real election. That there from the takeaway, a conversation with Patrick Lang, who's known and worked with Omar Suleiman for 20 years.
We'll be following these exciting events on the next Takeaway, along with the New York Times, the BBC, PRI, and our other partners. Join us right here for the next edition of Wave of Change, explaining and experiencing the push for democracy in Egypt and the Arab world. With John Hockenberry, I'm Celeste Headley. Thanks for joining us, and remember, we're always on at thetakeaway.org.